welcome back everybody to the Pair of Kings podcast. I hope you've been having a wonderful week. Um, I'm joined this week, um, sadly not by one of my normal co-hosts. Michael is out of town and John was unable to join us on Zoom. But I'm joined by a wonderful guest this week by Kartik of Car Research on Instagram. Um, they've been around for, correct me if I'm wrong, but about two and a half years. Um, they're doing some really cool stuff and it's finally in New York. Very glad that we were able to sort of get into the studio and do a in-person podcast. Um, so yeah, without further ado, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Super excited. Um, how have you been? Sort of what's been going on? You just had a pop-up in New York. Um, you know, what's what's been what's been on the docket for you recently as we watch a giant line amass outside of Mr. Purple once again? It's pretty crazy. <laughs> people are getting it in at like four o'clock. It's four fifteen. People are going crazy. Yeah, but, uh, no, it's been it's been cool. I've been I go to university here, uh, so just came back for that and was like, let's do a small pop up. Not really expecting much at the store, Kobo down the street from here. Mm-hmm. A uh, really good store, by the way. I highly recommend you check it out if you're in New York. But uh, that was like, surprisingly good um, because I try to go in with very low expectations to all this stuff because it's you just don't know if like people are gonna show up because yeah. I've never interacted with my customers at yeah. all besides like Instagram DMs. Uh, so it was a little weird, and I'm not like, I'm not super extroverted or like I don't think. I'll ever work retail in my life. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of different for me. But I was getting the hang of it. It's extremely boring when like no one's there. Yeah. Uh, but it's good. I like it. I like the. I like the people had like nice things to say mm-hmm. in yeah. like a vain way. But it was uh, it was cool. Yeah, I'm having a good time. Yeah. That's awesome. So was that your first sort of in-person pop-up that you were at? Have you done any where you haven't been able to attend? No. Yeah. I've I've honestly, I've not been involved in like the consumer facing or buyer facing side in mm-hmm. any way. Like All the stores that we've added, I've never met a single buyer. <laughs> I've never even met my agent. Yeah. Like my agent, he sort of DM'd me one day, two months into starting the brand. Yeah. He's like, maybe there's something here. Because we were doing these one-of-one Kanta jackets for yep. the first few months which is when I reached out to you guys. Mm-hmm. And for the listeners, like, I launched the uh, the brand on, like, the Barry Kings Discord <laughs> and like, the Throwing Fits Discord. I was literally just going on Discord where you had these communities of, like, menswear enthusiasts or yeah. fashion enthusiasts. And I was like, this seems like it's a good place to start. And it was because then uh, this agent saw some... I'd sent something to Gian De Leon yeah. and... Uh, he put something on his story. Mm. The agent saw it. He's like, okay, maybe there is something here. We just had sure. a Zoom conversation literally once. And uh, I made like a 25, 30 piece collection. Uh, and there were these red shorts that I did. He posted a story of the red shorts on day one of the, the showroom. Yeah. And within the hour, I'm not kidding, like every major buyer from like the 20, 30 stores that little brand would aspire to get into yeah. started following me that's awesome and i was like what's happening right now because <laughs> uh, it was one of one kanta jackets which we were somehow selling a few of but it was mm-hmm. it was nothing i maybe sold like 10 jackets at that point yeah it was a nothing business i think i had 300 instagram followers but then suddenly it was like okay this has now become a real thing when mm-hmm. like essence mr porter these guys come in so yeah that's sort of uh, that's awesome so 
again, you started it, I guess, on or through Discord. What got you and why, I guess, was it sort of the one of one pieces to begin? You know, was it just something that you were starting and saying, hey, uh, I want to sort of explore making clothes and doing this sort of for me? Or was it, you know, I want to start a brand? Like, what was sort of the impetus, I guess, to get started and why those one of one jackets? Mm -hmm. So I sort of, I'm not from a fashion background at all. Mm -hmm. I study economics, but... I was an enthusiast the same way you are and I maybe hadn't done anything within the region yet but mm -hmm. just a fan sort of uh, an idea I had sort of floating around the back of my mind was why isn't there an Indian luxury house sure at least in like the realm that we're interested in yeah yeah, yeah. you know there are like wedding wear businesses that yep. are billion dollar companies at this point but there are uh, in terms of like cool clothes that guys are interested in and <laughs> yeah. not occasion wear, there was nothing. So the idea, and there's this incredible like cultural heritage, yeah. which wasn't explored. Like there's all these embroideries, handled fabrics, everything, which I was aware of, but just hadn't seen contextualized in a way that I maybe wanted it to be. Yeah. Uh, so that's where the idea sort of started. Then the pandemic hit, my sort of finance internship fell through. <laughs> or it didn't fall through, but it was going to be virtual from from India. Where were you going to work? I have uh, to know. Uh, we can cut this, but... <laughs> hard. Okay, yeah. very fair. I was going to work for the... Until the fucking guy ghosted me. Yeah, it's... Yeah. I'm I'll just super, leave it out, but yeah. Yeah, I'm super glad that... Like, <laughs> that's not happened right now. They suck. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if this shit goes... Like, it goes to complete shit in the next few years, I might be on looking for a job <laughs> there, so I'm not going to say that, but... Because um, <laughs> the salary is pretty nice. But the... Uh, you know, this is going to plan so far. So uh, yeah. I'm glad that that happened. But I suddenly had a lot of time and pretty much nothing to do. Mm. Uh, so that summer, uh, I was sort of driving around to these artisanal communities mm -hmm. in India. Just with the idea of exploring this. Found a vintage Kantha dealer near Jaipur um, in Rajasthan. Mm -hmm. So just traveling around India, seeing like what could we do? What relationships can we mm -hmm. build? Uh, and then, yeah, the one-of-one one stuff seemed like an accessible entry point. Mm -hmm. It seemed interesting. Aesthetically, I thought it was weird to me that Kanta jackets hadn't sort of had a moment. This, yep. You know, so I was like, let's just try it, see what happens. And in the first batch I posted, I sort of reached out to a couple of stylists and whatever, and decent response. I flowed a few things. I was like, okay, maybe there's some promise here. It ended up not working out at all. But, uh, you know... Those signs were there that this is something that can continue while I'm in college. So before we jump too far, I guess, away from it, for listeners who may not know, what is Kanta Jacket? like? Yeah, so it's essentially you take five or six layers of old fabric mm -hmm. and uh, usually scrap. It's a really old technique from like pre-colonial times in India that people used to use to like cover their religious books or mm -hmm. like bed covers or just ornamental but you'd use old saris, old just scraps of fabric, patch them together, and then you use like a running stitch, pretty similar to boro. Mm -hmm. I think the knot is different. That's the only difference between sashiko, boro, and uh, and kantha. But the idea is the same. It was just a utilitarian thing to make use mm -hmm. of old fabrics. Got it. Uh, and there's these vendors in Jaipur that you walk in, and it's like a warehouse full of like floor to the wall. Uh, floor to the ceiling, sorry, just contours everywhere. And this guy just like pulling stuff out, 
you like, oh, I like that one. He like climb over like <laughs> uh, a pile and just start yanking stuff stuff on the floor. By the end, it's a complete mess. <laughs> it's it's a good experience, you know. And, yeah. And then you're like negotiating with the guy. He's trying to <laughs> doing business in India. I realized it's like very different from doing it anywhere else in terms of like the uh, just all the, the hiccups that you have to go through. Yeah. 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 So, in terms of sourcing, obviously you're here in the U.S. or stateside. When you are here, how are you continuing to source? Do you have, sort of have like a backlog, for lack of a better term, of fabric that you'll sort of work through while you're here? Um, and obviously, I think all of your stuff is made in India, mm-hmm. um, which is also cool. I know on the tags, it usually has the location of where it was either put together or bought. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, like, are you working through sort of a, a backlog of fabric? Have you brought anything to the U.S. with you? I mean, just, you know, how, how does it work, I guess, logistically? Uh, yeah, so I have like... 200 quilts in my in my house which my parents are sort of annoyed about uh but yeah i've bought a bunch of fabric i have Mm -hmm. a lot of inventory but which we're working through through for the direct to consumer for the wholesale stuff the fabrics are usually manufactured by handloom weavers that we've sort of built relationships with just because you know you need some standardization and even that because we use natural dyes most of the time Mm -hmm. it's a little iffy but uh yeah, logistically, right now, most of the stuff's happening through WhatsApp, uh, which is annoying. I pretty much just stay up pretty late at night by the time they start working. Uh, and I'll do like a quick round of like, okay, what happened here? What didn't happen? Why did you not work yesterday? <laughs> uh, and just sort of trying to problem solve as much as I can, which is not a good way to do it. Like, I'd much rather be in India just doing this stuff right now. Yeah. But... Uh, Eventually, I guess, just build out a team and figure out a way where I can split time between yeah. places. But, yeah, it's it's there's no, like, easy, elegant solution to it. Yeah. Damn. So, obviously, there is a rich cultural heritage in India, but it doesn't seem like it's, I, I would say, like, broken out into the fashion world, per se, maybe out of India and into the United States the way, like, Japanese fashion has. And you've mentioned, like, Shishiko and Boro, which are... Mm-hmm you know, I feel like very normalized within the U.S. at this point, right? Like, I don't know, capital is, yeah. everybody knows it. Um, do you, or would you have a handle on maybe why that hasn't happened for sort of Indian fashion and techniques? Is it sort of insular to Indian communities? You know, like, what is it? So it's a couple of things. The first one is in the sort of context where I'm exploring it now, it hadn't really hit in India either. Mm. So my sort of hypothesis for that is, uh, they're just a really low self-worth regarding our own culture. Mm. I don't know if that has to do with like colonization or whatever, but people just look towards the West. Like of, the, of my sort of quote-unquote peers, like the other 10 fashion designers that would be on like a, a Vogue India list yeah. or whatever, yeah. uh, they uh, 90% of them are like streetwear brands that are uh, sort of replicating a formula that's worked abroad. Yeah, uh, and it's working well for them. Like that's not a shot they're doing. It's okay. It's not the clothes aren't for me, but it's uh, yeah. You know they're making money. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so that it hadn't really hit in India, and as a reason, no one was sort of executing it at a level where it could mm. hit abroad. Yeah. Uh, and the reason why I think I was sort of able to at least start with it is just because. Uh, I was lucky enough to like travel around. My parents sort of took me on a lot mm-hmm. of holidays abroad, and I studied abroad uh, a little bit through high school as well. So 
I just had like exposure to stores where you could see yeah. like what's the level of clothes that exist. Like I was super interested and in, sort of inspired by like, like Craig Green, Namacheco, like these yeah. brands where it's like, okay, this is, this is the level that you need to get to in terms of execution. And like the amount of thought you put in, the amount of effort you put into sourcing the materials, yep. all that stuff to make sure that you can, that you belong in those stores. Yeah. And that maybe just hasn't, hadn't clicked until that point. Yeah. So within India, I guess what, like, you know, you have a, a dude who's 22, you know, mm-hmm. around our age, what is their sort of like, quote, unquote, uniform outfit? Like what is sort of popular? What would like, uh, you know, somebody who's sort of in the know be wearing in terms of brands, in terms of like style? Is it very sort of, you know, similar to the West? Uh, streetwear 1.0 type stuff. Like, okay. It's, now you're seeing, actually, so that's not true. The majority, so for the majority of people, like sort of luxurious expenses on clothing is not an option. Yeah. But for yeah. the people, and but there's enough people for whom it is, mm-hmm. and the choices they make are like extremely questionable. <laughs> but it's uh, you go to like I go to like friends' birthdays, and you have a dude in like a black shirt with like a gold Balmain logo on it, or sure. with like the skinny jeans, not a, a mere level shredding, but, but close to it. You know, it's uh, the concept of like people in the know. It's very limited. Sure. Uh, Honestly, I, I don't have a big Instagram following, but only 10% of it is from India. Interesting. Is there an Indian community within the U.S. that sort of found your brand and sort of yeah. flocked to it? it? When you say, sorry, when you say Indian following, does that mean people from India? From India, yeah. Okay, got it. Uh, in the U.S., yes. And that's why I was excited. So the market is abroad. Yeah. Right? You know, so Because we sell it at an expensive price point. The stuff costs quite a bit to make because it's hand embroidered. Yeah, it's very well done. Thank you. But yeah, so we can't, you know... And we have to account for wholesale margins. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So we have to, we sell at a high price point and that market just exists abroad. In India, it's just a really hard education process to convince someone that uh, a non-Gucci loafer is worth like $600, you know? Yeah, yeah. Any clothing item like that. It, there's just a conversation that needs to be had that doesn't really happen here. Is that the sort of perception that if it is, like it's it sort of, because it is Gucci, then yeah. therefore, it, okay, got it. It's just the same thing, right? Like you're just looking at certain brands as uh, people that can afford. The reason why I was talking to like a VC who was looking to invest in cars, <laughs> and the reason he was, uh, one of the reasons he brought up why the luxury market hasn't worked in India is because anyone that can afford stuff at that price point it can also travel. Got, it. got uh, it. So that, but there is like a line outside the Louis Vuitton store in Delhi. Okay. Uh, so it it's kind of, it's weird that the sort of perceptions haven't shifted towards, okay, we can also make cool stuff. Yeah. Whereas here amongst the South Asian community and in the UK, there's this uh, Instagram page called Diet Paratha. Yeah. Yeah. So they posted me and that actually helped a lot. But uh, I did a small interview with them as well. And uh, she's really cool, Anita, uh, the person who runs it. But the just from the interactions that I've had with them, what I sort of gather is people are excited to see their culture represented in this way and sort of shown in this light. Yeah. Which hasn't really translated in India yet. Got it. Uh, which is weird, you know, because it seems like that translation process should be easier when you've sort of grown up around it. But maybe that's also why people sort of say, all right, this was just a, this could have been a bed sheet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know what you mean. But so that, that sort of, it's something I'm trying to figure out. I think 
again there's this concept in india called the gore ka thappa in hindi which is like the white stamp of approval so when people see it itself for just i was talking with uh, about this with another designer who's sort of targeting the western market sure uh but once you see it at selfridges once you see it at mr porter suddenly that decision making process of like okay i don't need to like that introspective conversation about like am i really going to spend 600 dollars something yeah. from india doesn't exist anymore got it so maybe in the future i'm hoping that that changes we will see got it leo keeps ripping ass <laughs> i apologize i don't know why he's this gassy but it's horrendous right now um sitting on my lap it's quite bad um but in terms of sort of that stamp of approval right is that just because the i guess like the weight of those stores exists and sort of gives legitimacy or is it more just like um you know like this brand is good enough then to warrant yeah, know, spending a, x amount it's a positioning thing sure but that's with context like the indian consumer like yeah, i yeah, still yeah. want yep. to really get into these stores yeah. like my ambition when i was starting this brand was i Like if you're an athlete, you want to compete in the Premier League. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. If you're a fashion designer, you want to be at the best stores. Sure. It's a validation thing. It might be for my own vanity, and it's it, there's money there. You know, like we yeah. built a decent-sized business already, just through these relationships through wholesale because the DTC is not that big. But uh, that's sort of what I want to do. Like I'm not taking for granted at all that it's I'm incredibly lucky that all these stores sort of taken a chance mm-hmm. on a really small brand initially. Yeah. So. I guess sort of out of curiosity, but what are the items that either sell one DTC, like direct to consumer, um the most and which are the ones that you see I guess selling out more often than not sort of within I don't know Essence or Mr. Porter or Selfridges. Yeah, uh because we've only had one season at the mm. stores. The sort of samples has a little small bit the double knees really flew. Yeah. Uh the ones with the mirror embroidery, the shorts had a really yeah. high sell through. And then then the shirts it sort of varies. The, uh, what I'm sort of discovering is because Essence and Mr. Porter, which are our two biggest clients, have uh, like front-facing e-commerce shorts initially. Sure. It takes about like three clicks before you see the back or something. Yeah. So the details on the back, that'll typically have a lower sell-through. Got it. Which is something I'm trying to navigate now in the design process because you still want the stuff to sell. But <laughs> uh, we did these sweatshirts that I really like with the Kanta back. Sure. And. from the front it just looks like a plain sweatshirt. Yeah, that makes sense. So the sales through on those just weren't as high as I'd like them. Is there anything that you could do about that with the stores and just say, "Hey, can you, you know, picture the backs first?" Uh, I've asked, but I think they just have to keep like certain standards. Yeah, but the stores sense. where you have a physical brick and mortar, yeah. That's you know, it works for them. Got it. That's awesome. So as sort of like um an Indian brand, right? Are there other sort of avenues or pieces of cultural heritage that you'd like to sort of implement within to the brand and and explore, you know, outside of Kantha which is super cool, you know, d- don't get me wrong, but you know, are there other sort of uh techniques or different sort of um I don't know, styles or cuts or things like that that are sort of inherent to India that you'd like to implement or sort of explore? Yeah, so the there's a lot You know, the more I sort of explore, I'm still discovering mm-hmm. way more. And each con- like Kantha is only limited to about two regions in India. Sure. Um, and two small villages. Like it's not like a super mass-produced thing. There are machines and stuff, but hand Kantha. Yeah. It's still very limited. So like that, you have certain regions that specialize in certain crafts. Mm-hmm. So we'll do like hand knitting and natural dyeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll do. 
uh, handloom fabrics where you have like a zari detailing, so like a gold detailing on a border. It's particular regions are specialized in a type of selvage. Yeah. Oh, and these are all like sort of dynastic things from that village or that local community where only that community can produce that. Yeah. Which is cool because, so the thing with Kantha is you can now go on Etsy and just buy a quilt. Yeah. Because as we've also sort of given some exposure and the Kantha people have sort of figured out that they have a market internationally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I get undercut, you know, like there are other brands that sort of just buy quilts and make them and because they don't have to account for wholesale margins. Yeah. You know, I, I get beat on price. <laughs> uh, so I try to make the product better by like adding better hardware or yeah. printing on it or something. But, you know, Kanta, there's a problem with any of this stuff where if it becomes too ubiquitous, you have to move on to the next one. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we got two in-house hand embroiderers. Cool. Uh, as the brand's grown, we sort of had to bring production in-house. So we've set up a small unit where we have like seven tailors and two hand embroiderers. Wow. Uh, yeah, no, this season went crazy. <laughs> we took on 22 stores. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, we're doing 2,300 pieces. For this Holy season. fuck, congrats. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know how this happens. <laughs> Again, I haven't met anyone in the industry. <laughs> but it's happening, so I'm not complaining. But uh, yeah, the uh, so we'll just keep exploring the stuff. You know, in I made a trip to the south in like Andhra Pradesh, uh, which is one of the southernmost states in India. And there's these local communities that specialize in like tree bark, natural dyeing. Interesting. So the browns and stuff that we get, yep. which are very unusual natural dyes. Like usually you'll see indigo, madder, mm. uh, like a yellow from Hartha. But it's very rare that you see like specific shades of brown in natural dyes. So sort of just figuring out how do we build a relationship with them? How do we sort of ensure that the sampling run is pretty similar to the production run just because yeah. of the variation so like that we just keep building the, these networks and we have like 50 60 groups that we work with now or Jeez. independent weavers so it's a it's a lot to like coordinate every day but yeah Damn. i can show you one thing yeah like, that'd be yeah. awesome obviously audio medium yeah. you've got to describe it <laughs> but there's this wool that we developed it's a wool silk blend Ooh. that's hitting stores I was thinking, should I wear this to the podcast, but it's too hot. Yeah, no, it's quite uh, warm today. But the, uh, it's this insane fabric. That's I've beautiful. really never seen anything like it. You can check it out. But it's, uh, the base is like a naturally dyed wool, and then the detail sort of jacquard weave on hand loom is done, again, all by hand. And it's uh, in like this gold and green. And it, by the time this podcast comes out, it should be live on Essence. So That's you can awesome. check it out there. You know, it's a really nice, like, it's got what is sort of purpley undertone, right? Yeah, sort of maroon base and yeah. burgundy-ish and then gold and sort of green. Yeah. But That's it's, awesome. It's cool. To, this is just the process where we, like, go, I'll go to the weaver's house. Mm -hmm. show, he or she will show me, like, what they worked on maybe 10 years ago, five years ago, what sure. they're working on now. And I'll be like, okay, can we do this in this color or in this layout where we can make a short out of it? Can we change this up slightly? Can we change the size of this embroidery? How are you finding these people? Is it just sort of serendipitous or, you know, is there like a good sort of way to contact people? You know, like it's, you uh, said it's one weaver, right? It's not like a... Yeah. No, so they have Instagram. Yeah. Uh, but that's not the best way to reach out. Yeah. 
So what you should, I have made relationships on Instagram, which yeah. have worked and we've given them work pretty consistently. But the, uh, so this is an NGO that exists in the North. Uh, if you have like typically a, a cluster of weavers, mm. one weaver will come to like an expo in Delhi. Sure. And you can maybe meet them there or you just make a trip out to a region where sort of all these artisans are congregated. Yeah. And then you get someone, you can pay them a little bit and it'll sure show you around. Got it. Yeah. But there's no, there's no like easy like way to do it virtually. Yeah. You have to meet them in person. So would you leave school to go and do that? I mean, is it like a significant time commitment in terms of like, you know, obviously you have to travel to India and back. Like, you know, are you doing this over your winter break or Christmas break or whatever? Yeah. So luckily I only had, this business wouldn't exist if the pandemic didn't happen. <laughs> Because I was in India for a year and a half. Yeah. Uh, so that sort of, that problem solved itself. Yeah. And then I came back for one semester. It was horrible. Like, Were I you virtual? Not, yeah. No, oh. in person. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to go virtual just so I can run this business, but it was horrible. Nothing was happening. We were way behind on all our orders. So I had to take a gap semester to make sure that everything goes out on time. Yeah. It did. Then my parents were like, okay, now the business is growing. So you're just not going to go back to school the way it, it happens. Yeah. So just go back now and finish it. Yeah. Uh, Do you have yeah. one semester left or two? Yeah, just one. Okay, that's good. It's one more than I'd like. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's fine. We'll just get it over with. We'll Are you comfortable with me saying the name of your school? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so what? how have you found UPenn? Just out of curiosity. I know we talked about it a little bit, but overall, hindsight, looking back, what are your, what are your thoughts? I don't love it. Okay. Uh, it's. I don't think I'm coming back for the 10-year reunion. <laughs> Uh, but it's uh, no. Look, I've met people that are gonna be my friends for life yeah, and yeah. Gotta, whatever college. But it's uh, beyond that. Like it's an environment where there aren't that many people that are interested in what I'm yeah. doing or like just the lane. You know, I'm sure you found. Is some, there like a fashion community at all? Yeah, but you know, it's like uh, these are the ten white sneakers that you can wear. Uh, yeah. It's not the same uh, in terms of the interest. But honestly, I don't really like talking about clothes with my friends. I, I'm a big like sports guy. <laughs> I just talk about that stuff. Are you soccer? Or yeah, what? Okay. yeah, big into football, uh, big Chelsea fan. But it's, uh, you know, that wasn't really... The, I just, the orientation that people have is towards like, I need to do X, Y, Z in every day, wake up at this time, do Adderall in the library, get through the night, and I, just go again. I hate Adderall culture. Yeah, because it's it's kind of crazy, like the pressure that these people are sort of putting themselves. They through. put it on themselves. Yeah. It's not like any, ugh. yeah, I experienced it too, but it's really annoying that. Well, first of all, it's glorified. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I woke up at six a.m. today. We talked about this a little bit before the podcast, but like, I was in that. I, you know, I wasn't snorting Adderall. I've never done that, but. You know, like waking up ridiculous hours, like feeling really stressed, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then like at a certain point, it's like, wait, I don't need to do this like at all. Like I'm passing all my classes. I'm doing quite well. You know, it's crazy. It's like. Yeah, because I've I've heard stories of people just like operating the whole semester on like four hours sleep. Yeah. And it's because they're just. Yeah. That's also what they say that they're getting, though. Yeah. Which is just never true. That pisses me off. But Yeah. yeah. It's like a badge of honor where you're just like, oh, okay. but whatever. Uh, Penn School, I think I would have had a better experience had 
I actually been there for the whole time. Yeah. I've, the only like full year I've spent at Penn is freshman year. Yeah. So I don't think I've got oh, the true college experience. Pandemic hit during your sophomore year. Yeah. Got it. Like okay. My one of my best friends and my roommate last year was like, you know, I'm still waiting for college to start. Yeah. You know, like it, it hasn't clicked in yet. Yeah. Um, I got through my junior year. I, I got really lucky. I took a year off and then finished. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's after still, your freshman year, like. Yeah. I I just sophomore year got interrupted. Junior yep. year didn't exist. I was doing <laughs> virtual stuff. Yeah. And. Uh, then senior year, I had to take six months off to yeah. work on the business. Yeah. So, yeah, it just, college wasn't, like, as sort of continuous as I'd like <laughs> it to be. But, you know, I have the business now. Yeah, so it's, that's awesome. Yeah. So, I guess, is your plan moving forward to move back to India full-time and sort of run the business from there? Uh, yeah, I don't I don't love living in India. It's, uh, it's okay. Like, I grew up there, so you love it because you grew up there. But it's not, like, an incredibly... Uh, fun place to live like sure. I'm trying to live in New York so I'm gonna try and figure out a way where you know maybe if the economics of it work out like if I can open a store in either London or New York mm-hmm. uh I've been looking around here and there's <laughs> New York rent is so fucking high don't do it here <laughs> it's not like that bad in like this where well where Colbo is yeah 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 you know, it's I also a like good that, fashion area as yeah well. that's the area that's coming up where yeah. you want to maybe be yeah uh, it, it's still a lot but it's not it works out like it's not that daunting of an experiment if we mm. did it and the, the following has to grow a lot and yeah. stuff has to happen in the next two years but you know ideally if I could figure out a way where I spend four or five months here mm. the rest of the time there because for the design process, I have to oh, be yeah. involved in yeah. India on the ground. Otherwise, it's just not going to happen. And I have no employees right now, so I have to <laughs> sort of figure out how do you build out an, an infrastructure where that happens. Yeah, that's awesome. So I asked earlier, but I forgot to circle back. Are you expanding out? Are you going to do, I don't know, shoes? Are you going to do hats? Like, you know, are you sort of just sticking with pure, like, shirt, pant, jacket, clothes? Um, or will that sort of scope expand in the future do you want it to expand i guess is also another question yeah so i, I want it to expand definitely hmm. i'm looking at some leather stuff right now nice. which can be sort of i'm trying to do i won't say it actually but it's uh i'm trying to do something that sort of crosses over between shoes jackets all sorts of leather goods sure. like a, a signature thing yeah um but it's taking a lot of time and i can't really do it virtually yeah but uh, the idea is to go into all of that. The idea first, though, is to sort of bring the clothes to the full form of the sort of line that I want it to be in. Got it. Because right now, the patterns have sort of been playing it a little bit safer than I want in like, the full version, just because I have to make sure that we can actually make the stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, stuff goes wrong a lot in uh, production, especially when we have, like, these many variables. Because in... All our fabrics, we use zero electricity in the production of them. Interesting. Because it's all done on hand loom. Yeah. Most of it's hand spun. The yarn. Got it. So if it's spun by machine, fine, a little bit of electricity. But in terms of the fabric production, yeah. And the dyeing is mostly natural. So it's extremely sustainable that way. Yeah. But as a result, so much stuff can go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And in hand embroideries, like, because it's not in like a sterilized machine. Yeah, you're not gonna get the same thing yeah. ever twice. Yeah. Yeah. 
and the dude's like taking a break to eat or whatever. He doesn't <laughs> wash his hands and he stains the piece and suddenly that piece is ruined, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> there's all these variables that go wrong that you just can't anticipate. Yeah. Uh, that I'm starting to get better at sort of realizing, okay, this is the margin of error. This is how much yeah. we overorder now. Uh, and all that's happening now, but it's, you know, it's a little messy. Yeah. I mean, it's really cool that everything is sort of done by hand and with minimal to no electricity. I mean, just from like an environmental standpoint, it's very refreshing to hear. <laughs> um, yeah, that's awesome. I, was that sort of like um, a plan from the outset or is that just sort of like the way it's done in India traditionally and you wanted to sort of adhere to that traditional process? Well, it's a function of what makes us unique, right? Mm-hmm. Like the idea is to work with artisans. We have yeah. access to these uh, this incredible network. So if what their sort of core competency is, is not involving these electricity or yeah. stuff like yeah, that, yeah. then it just makes sense to sort of let them cook. And like the, like we're working with a block printer for the stuff hitting stores now. So by the time this podcast comes up, hopefully Mr. Porter and Essence and these guys have launched there. <laughs> I, I never even know when the stuff hits the stores. Like I'm checking every day myself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the deliveries have now been made. So when, when the stuff hits, you'll see there's these printed shirts that we did this season mm-hmm. where there's, there's a block printer and it took me eight months to convince this guy to work with me. Right? So he's like, he's a rebel in the printing community <laughs> where he sort of left his hometown or his grandfather oh. did and moved to a different area. Um, and the only other international designer this guy works with is Yoji Yamamoto. Oh, no way. For, and he, only for sampling. So for production runs, it's just me. Wow. Uh, because obviously he's at a much higher scale, so yeah. they just scan it, digitally print it for yeah. them. But for the production ones, it's just my stuff. And it's a, aesthetically, it's very different from any other block printing that you'll see. Like the techniques he has, sort of, it's called diffusion printing, or he calls it that. It's not like a real thing. But uh, he, uh, I can show you images off yeah. this shirt later, sure. but it's, uh, it's sort of cool that we get this incredibly intricate print that you'd think only is possible through like digital printing or yeah. graphic design or some like yeah. modern technology. But there's this one area in the world, probably the only place where you can get that aesthetic and we have access to that. That's crazy. So the idea is like you have to harness it. Yeah. 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 Are there other techniques that you've come across that you want to sort of implement or, you know, integrate, I guess, into the brand but just haven't been able to convince the person or have sort of you know been unsuccessful in terms of making that connection so not yes let's talk yes. about your failures yeah. <laughs> yes uh but but they're not like new techniques it's specific yeah. people yeah that are like really good at what they do Got and it. maybe in the past when the business was a bit smaller we couldn't meet their moqs or yeah. something like that which we'll sort of get into but like technique wise, I think we have a pretty wide base. Like we work with hand embroiderers of like very different techniques. We have uh, we have artisans in almost every state in India. That That's awesome. With. Yeah. So, uh, is it hard if if your sort of distribution is that widespread to sort of get you know hey we need everything by this date and yeah. it's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Like. The way artisans think is not the way like a Yale student thinks, yeah, right? Like, yeah. they're uh, if you have a wedding in the family, everyone's taking a month off. Yeah, you know, and you can't convince me to <laughs> to, to work. change yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. 
which is which doesn't work for me, you know. So it, there's like this constant back and forth, and you're trying to be respectful, and sometimes it gets a little heated, and you're just like, please, and it gets desperate. And some of them, like most of them, are very honorable people. Yeah. Uh, very easy to work with, but you get some scammers. The yeah. I've had experiences where like they're deliberately giving me like shitty quality stuff and deliberately so, you know so like let's say we agree a price yeah right and we've i try to pay very fair yeah yeah, yeah. across the board but because they see the price on mr porter and i say sure and everyone wants a piece without understanding yeah. all the different you know but uh they'll see that and then for the first two months maybe while i'm not there i'm just getting these really bad prints or these really bad fabrics or the sure. fabric has all these holes in it i'm like like what's happening here? Because the sampling run didn't have it. Your other stuff that I bought from you didn't have it. It's like, oh, for this price, this is the quality. Oh, so they're shit. getting so you. It is, it's like yeah. a bit of a double-edged sword yeah. getting into those stores. No, no, no. So it's like they're trying to get you desperate so they can hike up the price. Later. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So you have to deal with, <laughs> you know, this. that's fucking tough. Yeah, which isn't which is hard when I'm here. You yeah. Know? When I'm there, it's like okay, we just sit down, and negotiate again, see what can we do. Do you get samples shipped to the U.S.? Sometimes. God. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say, without it being in hand, it must be really tough. Yeah. So what I the timelines sort of weirdly work out where I had all the fabrics for SS twenty three on the loom and like one or two meters had been woven before I left. Mm-hmm. So I got to see that it's like on yeah. the right path. Yeah. Uh but there's a couple where that didn't happen actually. So yeah. I got them to send it. It was all good. If I can tell from the photo then there's no need to send yeah. it. But yeah. Just out of my own curiosity, has your sort of education at Penn helped you at all with this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it helps you, like... So I think what Penn does really well, and all the Ivy League, quote-unquote, like... Ivy League colleges. Yeah, but because everyone's so competitive. Right? Yeah. Every class you take, you do have... You can't just coast. Yeah. Or you can for some. I've definitely, like, not gone to class for, like... An, Intro to anthropology and good name sort of thing. Fuck intro anthropology. Yeah. I got a terrible grade and I went to class. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? There's, there's always like every college has a few where you can yeah, just you sort get your of game the system. Yeah. yeah. But uh, there's a lot where you really have to think and like your peers sort of push you a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of like that sort of competitive thing and just like making sure you actually do the work. Yeah. It all sort of helps sort of drain that into you. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's that, which is not a good thing. I'm not advocating for like overworking or anything, or sort of just. I yeah. love the grind. I actually I intentionally overwork <laughs> myself. That's how much I love it. But, I haven't slept in a week. <laughs> yeah, I, it's horrible. But you know what I mean. Like yeah. After like a few years there, you just don't even think about it. You're just doing. Yeah, it, yeah. Know? So there is that, but. <laughs> There's nothing else I really think was applicable from Penn because yeah. the econ major is just like multivariable calculus, which is just horrible. Like I you're not you're it. not applying game theory to <laughs> your business. <laughs> yeah, I'm like doing the the payoff structures for like no, the no Keynesian economics. Yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> so it it gives you an understanding of like how markets work. Yeah, I think because I'm more like. I don't know if Penn has anything to do with it, but I, I'm, I've studied math at a reasonably high level yeah. throughout high school and college, so I have an understanding of like how the, the accounting works or how the numbers work. Pretty, it comes pretty easily to me, but yeah. that has nothing to do with Penn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. yeah. 
Um, I completely blanked on this because I don't have Michael or John here to remind me or, you know, give any structure to this. I forgot to do a fit check. We are oh, uh, 40 <laughs> minutes into the podcast, so we've got to do that. Yeah. I apologize for surprising with you, surprising you with it, excuse me, 40 minutes in, but All good. can we get a fit check? Yeah, yeah, we can. Uh, <laughs> so um, we're going we're going bottom up. Okay. Uh, on the feet, I have something special. I have the the Kiko Gelbers 2s in the Seafoam Oh, mint. nice. Yeah, I got so the only pair that you saw on Goat used was my pair, at least last year. <laughs> uh, I was trying to sell them; they didn't sell, so now I'm wearing them. Nice. But uh, I really like them; like they're uh, really comfortable. Uh, then socks, I think socks, right? I think are Uniqlo. Uh, the right, the right pick. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the pants are some fall winter stuff that we have coming out. Nice. Some big indigo pleated trousers and Cute. cotton. And I'm big on big pleats now. Yeah. Like that's uh, definitely a silhouette that we're trying to push this season. Nice. Uh, and just, I like the idea of like the pants having movement while you're walking. Yeah, not just taped to your legs. I mean, yeah. you know, guy walking past in jeans that are cuffed, probably cutting off ankle circulation. But yeah. yeah. The amount of like H&M jeans I've seen outside. Skinny jeans fucking suck, let me tell you. And skinny selvage is like, all right, they'll loosen up. But skinny jeans just in general are a nightmare. Yeah, just like having zip ties around your legs. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah. But I'm not talking about like non-skinny. I'm saying I want them like huge, flowy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I I I bought this pair of uh, there's this women's wear shop in Philly that I discovered just okay. now. It's called I, I discovered it's they have like thirty thousand followers. It's a real <laughs> shop, but um, the uh, it's called Vestige. Uh, but it might be new to like some of the listeners of this podcast. But like check it out. Really good curation. And mm. a lot of the women's wear is like fairly accessible to men. Cool. So there's this brand, Lauren Manugian. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's awesome. Yeah, I got a pair of cargoes on sale from them. Cool. Huge. Like, I've never owned, I've never made or owned a pants this big, but <laughs> I love them. And then, like, this brushed linen, really cool fabric. But um, yeah, so I have that. The T is, uh, it's either vintage, it's just something I had around. It's just a black t shirt. Yeah. Yeah. It might be vintage, might be Young Maven, you know that brand? It's just like no some, some hemp tees I found in Philly. Hemp tees are quite nice, at least yeah. for the summer. They're just cooler incrementally than cotton. <laughs> yeah, and I like my clothes to feel super worn in. Yeah. Uh, and this feels a little bit more beat up. Yeah. 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 These are de- this is definitely a Young Maven one. Yeah. Nice. Um, I'll go through mine. I'm wearing some... Um, Momotaro jeans sneakers. They're like indigo dyed. They're sort of denim-y, but I'm rapidly chewing through the heels. I, I bought four or five pairs at one time because I was like, these are, they, they go on sale every like two or three years. And yeah. every time they do, it's unclear whether or not they'll ever come back. Um, but Is I it love like them. a Converse? Type? It's, yeah, it's like um, sort of like a Converse low. It's just their like canvas sneaker, but they're really comfortable. It takes me a while to break through like destroy the shoe itself um and i think they age really well and they mm-hmm. look really nice um so i love them i have two pairs left and these are rapidly going i'm going to try and get the heels tap but it might even be like too far gone at this point um i'm wearing capital socks i have the needles hd track pants um in a green and then a t-shirt that i can't bring myself to throw out it's a t-shirt from a japanese band called mabuta 
I bought it. I think before, I think I listened to like a few of their songs. I was like, okay, I'm in this record store. They're playing their music. I'm not going to be back in this record store in South Africa. Oh, I'll buy the shirt. Yeah. Why not? It's um, a nice shirt. I like the graphic. Yeah. I mean, it's also like off center. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And the neckline. I don't know what blank they used. Yeah, it's like it's fit tees. Yeah. But I mean, the, the collar is like absolutely fucked. I mean, it's like an eighth of an inch wide. Yeah. What do you think of like the thin collars? I don't mind it as long as the cut of the shirt is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like that it rolls because it, again, it looks yeah. like lived in a little bit. Um, I hate a fucking thick collar. I hate, like, I love online ceramics. Uh-huh. We were just talking about this on the podcast. This will be the one that comes out next week. But it feels like you're being, like, put into a chokehold. It's like, you know, what, like two-inch ribbing that's yeah, just, like, yeah. you know, that's too garroting you. Yeah. yeah, but I don't know. I mean, like, I think Uniqlo basic tees, the Uniqlo mm-hmm. U, like the semi-thicker ones, mm-hmm. have, like, the perfect neckline in that, I don't like the neckline. Though. Really? Yeah. Okay. Too small or too big? Or? Yeah, it just sits weird on like the shoulders. Like I feel like it's not close enough. They sit well on my shoulder. Okay. And, you know, it, it varies from person. Yeah. But for me, they're a very good blank. I also have found weirdly that their shirts in black last so much longer than everything else. And I don't quite know why. That's um, true. Yeah, I have some black ones. It's consistent. And then I just shirts in black in general usually just last a bit longer. I don't know why. Um, if somebody knows, please let me know. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big fan, like you said, of things that feel worn in. I've been trying to be, excuse me, be better about wearing everything that I own. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to get really gun shy when I buy something new because mm-hmm. it's like, I don't want to hurt it. Yeah. yeah. You know, my, my clothes have feeling type, type beat, but I don't know. I, I've been trying to be better about just like suck it up, wear it. They're just clothes. Like. You know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's just, you feel like it. So, so I've had this sort of something that my customers have sort of said to me about the more delicate silk shirt yeah. thing that we do, especially at the pop-up where it was like, I, I want to, so some people said I want to buy this and then they ended up sort of buying it. But the hesitation was like, I've, I feel like I'm limited in my sort of activities in this. You know, because yeah. it, it's... It's a you're going out shirt or whatever. Yeah. However yeah. you justify it to yourself. But yeah. I mean, I think it's different for some fabrics maybe. Yeah. Just to like get over that initial hump of wearing them. Um, so full transparency, I got a custom sort of like an overshirt slash dress shirt um, from Car Research. Um, you know, reached out and had it made. It's fantastic. And I think I wore it like every day for three weeks. Um, <laughs> and then I took it to the dry cleaner. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like stained or anything. It was just like, you know, yeah. during a heat wave, I was like, yeah, this thing's fucking disgusting at this point. Like yeah, I sweated yeah. into it. Um, and I've gotten it back and I haven't put it on since because I put all of my dry cleaning in the laundry room. And then yeah. I'm like, oh, I kind of forget about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But great shirt. Um, it again was like one of those things where I was like, I don't know if I feel like comfortable wearing it because I don't mm. want to get it stained. I don't want to rip it or whatever. But I was about to go on a trip and I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to put it on. If I pack it and not pack anything else, I'll be forced to wear it. And I did. And it made me really happy. It's a very, you know, it's a great shirt. Yeah. And my approach, thank you for this stuff. But yeah. my approach to that stuff, I think used to be the same. Yeah. Where you're just like, okay, I don't want to ruin this if I've got something like capital thing. But yeah. the idea is that like, in like four or five years, maybe I don't even know if I still like it. You know exactly. Yeah. And so I might as well just like yeah. wear it and beat it up while I actually like it. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah. I mean, it's one thing if you're buying it immediately to resell it, but I wasn't, I don't think I buy anything to just immediately resell anymore. Not anymore, yeah. 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 Is that um, how you got into this? Video? Yeah, it was yeah. like Yeezys and like, Same. you know, yeah. you know, I feel my like friend made a bot and then we just made like more money than we like sort of know what to do with yeah, at, yeah. you know, no, what, the 10th or 11th grade. I feel like everyone, so uh, I don't know if you've met him, Jake Booth, uh, he used to help run WHR, the, okay. the hat company. Um, and is that like a meme hat now? Yeah, it's a yeah. total meme hat. Yeah. So it's it's, like I'm receding hairline in my, in my late yeah. 20s hat. But, uh, yeah, I think the art direction was pretty cool for a bit there. And Jake left earlier this year. Um, but he uh, he sort of helped organize the pop-up for me mm. with the Kobo people. And, again, he just has his hands in a bunch of different like, mm-hmm. creative parts, and he's working with a lot of cool people now. Uh, but everyone that... So I, he's one of the few people in, like, the fas- young fashion industry that I actually know. And everyone that he introduced me to and just in general like through listening to this podcast and whatever we all have like the same story where like the intro <laughs> to every brand is through supreme and yeah then, like, supreme does a cdg club what's cdg let's explore yeah. that i think people still like people still disrespect supreme they're like oh everything they make now is so boring like if you go it's still like cool stuff i, I, you know, I like the lookbook yeah like yeah. lookbooks cool accessories are cool every 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 season sure they like went into a lull for two years but mm-hmm. like they, I, I will die by this take. They're the reason why collabs are happening at one, such a pace that they are today, and two, between big fashion houses. Yeah, and to a large extent, I think they normalize, like, for at least guys that traditionally wouldn't be into clothes, like, they yeah. made it super made accessible. It cool. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'll always, like, admire Supreme for that. Yeah. 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 I, like, I don't know, Supreme. I think they they really had like a golden era of fashion, especially as like fashion sped up. You know, you're you're lucky if like your your trend is like six weeks, and then mm-hmm. you know like Gorp Core, you got Arcteryx for four months, and then or like a Bloke Core was like <laughs> Bloke Core was like a month, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like not even. But you know yeah. what I mean, right? Like you're lucky to even get a month. Um, mm-hmm. They had like a chokehold, right? Like they had the. Um, the Supreme Lion interviews with Emily Oberg. You had people like yeah. botting the fucking box logos. Um, you know, like yeah. I, I could, you know, keep listening. There are just so many like people that literally had their their careers made in fashion. And fucking Harrison Neville and his fucking mystery boxes. Oh god, right? Yeah. He no, like I, that's just yeah. Supreme. That's literally because of Supreme. And yeah. like people shit on it, and like it's cool to shit on it now. Oh, you know, oh, Rick Owens is so much cooler. Rick Owens is just the new Supreme. <laughs> I'll still shit on Harrison Neville, but it's... Uh, He's <laughs> uh, actually a nice guy. Okay, you know? I've talked to him in the Discord, so, or not in the Discord, excuse me, in the DM. So I um, I made a joke about Blazendary being shitty, and I had a picture of Harrison Neville like next to him. Um, this was on Deadstock Report, so okay, a different yeah, page. Yeah, yeah. But I made a joke, and it was very clear I was talking about Blazendary, just, like, being a horrendous fucking person, just, like, abusing his ex-girlfriend and, like, oh, his yeah. dad being a fucking psychopath. Yeah. But he oh, got – Harrison Neville thought it was about him, and I was, like, DMing him. I was, like, no, like, I'm sorry. Like, I'll make it even clearer. Sure. Like, I'm so sorry about the, you know, mistake. And he was, like, oh, like, no worries. I just wanted to make sure that, like, I'm not associated with any of these people. Like, that's not me. Like, whatever. He's a really nice guy, which was kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I meant not in terms of, like, the, the YouTube economy that came up because of it, but more in terms yeah. of, like, like I was listening to your podcast with Trevor from Fugazi. Yeah. 
and like there's a bunch of brands that are sort of in that vein yeah that, like i think the entry point for all those guys was supreme yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i i don't know i think it's if not one of the the most influential brand for people our age and i yeah. don't think that that's a hot take at all yeah and a lot of the people that were sort of i think the people making a lot of the cool stuff now or stuff that might be like on essence in like another yeah. four or five years and is now an instagram brand but yeah uh, like a lot of them probably got inspired through that scene and i don't know if like because in the last maybe two years it became so corny yeah uh, i don't think like the people that for whom the entry point was like ald i don't know if that's going to be the same uh, yeah, I think ALD, the price point is so much higher. Yeah. And it's not reselling. It, it still isn't? I mean, like, there are some things that sure. are, you know, reselling. Like, like the shoes are. But, like, yeah. nobody's going to buy, like, an ALD pair of pants for, like, significantly more than they bought them. Mm-hmm. Especially because the initial price point is fucking ridiculous. Um, but, I, I, you know, it's, again, it's a joke. But everybody who was into Supreme four years ago is just now into ALD and 26. Mm-hmm. You know, like... It just so happens if you were in Supreme in college and you moved to New York and you have a finance job, you're now into ALD. Yeah, and I I've could probably prove of, that with like 99% certainty. Yeah, the, the, like the pen uniform, it used to be just Golden Goose sneakers oh. and then uh, Canada Goose jacket. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then maybe like skinny-ish denim. Yep. Black or I, I for us, it was always black. I don't think it's black. But, okay. Uh, maybe like light wash. Or light wash cuff, I guess. Was yeah, the other one. maybe. Yeah. And then, yeah, uh, like a designer hoodie, you know. Uh, I feel like we didn't have a lot of designer hoodies. What designers? Just like a logo hoodie where I've seen like mm. a bunch of like Vetmont or. Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. But not not like the, the cool stuff. Just. No, like heavy metal or. No, no, just. Like a green blank with Vetmore written on it. Oh, all right. That's less cool. <laughs> yeah. But I, that was like the uniform. But now I'm seeing still Canada Goose because if you've spent $1,000 on a down jacket, <laughs> you might as well get a bit of use out of it. It's still the Golden Goose sneakers or the Margiela replicas. And then... Uh, Margiela replicas. Interesting. Okay. And then you have, I think in general, people, like a lot of the Penn Wharton kids are from wealthy background so that's probably why this is their uniform but it's that and then uh ald hoodies really yeah that's kind of crazy is there an ald store close to campus no oh they're just ordering them yeah or i think a lot of them live in new york my uh my little brother i i love him to death i i love my little brother um and i feel like you know like you have a little brother it's like you know yeah um He's going into finance. He's working at a consulting place right now. I'm very proud of him. He's worked really hard. Um, he's also working like borderline environmental consulting. Cool. Yeah. So again, like and not destroying the world. Like all my friends are. I, I do need to preface it yeah. with like that much because it's like. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, but he's getting into like, you know, he texts me. He's like, you know, what brands are cool, like mm-hmm. things like that. And as an older brother, it's like, I don't want to push him too far outside that he thinks my opinion is whack. Sure. But I'm also not trying to be like, go buy an ALD hoodie. So I'm like... So then what's the middle ground? I'm trying to get him into like Noah, which is pretty cool. That's the same. No, they have a pretty cool commitment to like the environment and sustainability. Right. And it doesn't the have... product, like aesthetic. The product, product. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, I was trying to like recommend ALD without recommending ALD. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
because I feel like that's sort of the stuff that he's into. And then I was like, hey, if you're really like jeans, um, you know, you could get some selvage denim. He's like, what's that? And I was like, listen, like, you're going to fucking hate it for like two months and then they're going to be your favorite pair of jeans ever. And he's like, I don't know if I want to commit to that. So it's like, it's hard. Like, I think, and you know, I guess this goes back to fashion in general, but like, how do you get somebody into fashion in a way that doesn't make them look like a dumbass? And maybe mm-hmm. like, you know, you have to look like a dumbass before you can look cool. Yeah. You, you no, know, I, had, I, I've looked like a dumbass. <laughs> no, I had some, so there was some, like, so there was some 550s in my pop-up. Uh, that definitely came through but for a lot of the people just from conversation it seemed like Karu was like almost their entry point into like for especially South Asian descent people into like more esoteric stuff that's awesome yeah like yeah. that was really like encouraging to me that people were like okay we can like South Asian kids were like okay we can you know first off this is something that maybe my has an element of what my mom would wear on her like sorry yeah. for a wedding but yeah. on a shirt yeah. you know so there's that nostalgic element but it was like okay cool this is my culture and through that it's my entry point into like cooler stuff yeah I think like me trying to do that in high school was supreme box logo tee and an extra small I yeah. wore like a medium so like you know I look like a fucking peanut <laughs> um, I was wearing women's vet sweatpants which were, like, too small and made my butt look weird, like Jordan 4s. <laughs> and I was like, I'm fucking killing it right now. Like, nobody in the school can tell me anything. Yeah, Which I just like now, In high school, I literally, I used to play a lot of soccer. And yeah. So I used to just wear, like, Nike tech fleece. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> but, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I really got into the whole, I was into it, but just as an observer as opposed yeah. to, like, someone who, uh, I think my by final year of high school, I was reselling quite a bit. Yeah, I would go into London. I would sell Supreme Yeezys, whatever. Sell them to yeah. kids in school. Uh, but so then I started getting some money. I was like, okay, I can now yeah. experiment and whatever. But when when you're in the US, more so than I would say the UK or any other place, like you just have stores with like really good curation. Yeah, you know, like in London, I don't think the concept of like a Colbo has hit yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a few that like have popped up on my Instagram that I follow, but yeah. it, it seems like they're sort of hard to find. Yeah, but I mean, they have like a Trebian, which is the best yeah, yeah, yeah. store in the world. You know, it's like incredible. But the uh, the idea of like a store that carries like Evan Canori, Camille Fortkins, sure. stuff like that, like everything is esoteric. That yeah. doesn't really exist. And yeah. we're in stores like Selfridges and clothing. Now we've gotten for next season, but the big brands, you know, where the small yeah. brand there. So you talking about you in school sort of reminded me when you, you know, finally got money, um, were those, did you get into sort of the brands that you are now looking to either for inspiration or just like for, that you look to for inspiration to start Karu, you know, like Craig Green, I remember you saying, Mm -hmm. um, you know, was that sort of the stuff that you got into or what was, you know, what were the brands I should say that were there when you got, you got your bag up? Uh, No, I wasn't buying any of that stuff. Yeah. Just because. Uh, it's very expensive, but, uh, <laughs> I own one Craig Green jacket now, but it, I was into like, not again, I think what I was looking at is like the pinnacle of fashion for like, this is what I aspire to one yeah, day yeah, get yeah. to, not in terms of like the product necessarily, but like the whole brand. Yeah. Um, I was looking at Dries Van Noten is my favorite yeah. designer of all time, just cause like the color balancing stuff is incredible. Cause we do a lot of print on print now, especially. Yeah. Uh, like 
the season just launching and the next season that we did after that. Uh, but it's very easy to go overboard with that stuff mm-hmm. and he sort of kills it with mm-hmm. reining it in and pushing it in some looks. And so the management of that's very interesting to me. But um, yeah, I was looking at these guys. I was sort of buying capital, you know, like I think... Capital, well, so that must have been in 2018? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty advanced. I, I don't think I knew about Capital in 20. Oh, no, I did. Uh, no, did I? I think it was pretty common. Or whatever, I was listening to like throwing fits or failing okay. upwards at the time. Sure. And then in 2020, I started listening to you guys as well. Yes. Uh, but, uh, which is by what I would say to any like, well, you're, you're already listening to this podcast, but the, the fact that you're already here is like a good sign that you sort of know what's cool. Like oh, if you're thinking yeah, of yeah. starting something, like you're already on the right track. You're looking at the right sources if you're looking at like the correct esoteric publications. I feel really lucky. We have a very wonderful and like engaged and intelligent community, um, which is really nice. Oh, um, sorry. If you'd like to join the Discord, what should they message? Pair of Kings Pod at uh, on Instagram. Oh, God. Um, Can be anything, word or phrase. Mr. Purple. Perfect. Perfect. Excuse me. Purple. Um, Great. Okay. If you'd like to join the Discord, message us Mr. Purple. But feel very lucky that we do have the community that we do. Um, it feels that it feels like, excuse me, the community that was on fashion Instagram, especially in like 2020, mm-hmm. like right as the pandemic was hitting, has dissipated. And I'd say, sorry, the community that lived on Instagram has sort of dissipated. Like what, like HFT type stuff? Or? Yeah. And like, oh, I'm glad yeah, that that's now, gone. But, but yeah. HFT, like. That was, like, that was the one. That was the one. Instagram page that used to promote car. It was so, <laughs> I mean, just like so yeah. weird. Um, but oh yeah, like you know, it feels like people have sort of like retreated. I was talking to a friend about this earlier. Um, shout out Jose. But the I think people are starting to get like a little bit burned out about trying mm-hmm. to feel like they know everything um, and like lauding it as that. Mm-hmm. Which like if you went into those HFT comment sections or like a Samitaro comment section, <laughs> like. Nobody knew what the fuck they were talking about, but sure. everybody had an opinion. Yeah. And at a certain point, it's like, guys, like, some of you are right here and some of you are not correct. And nobody wanted to hear that they were not correct. I, I, you know, I'm not the one to sort of decide that. But I think that following that breakdown of, sorry, I'm just become very, very avidly aware of like the sound of my mouth closing and opening, just <laughs> creep me out. Um, no, that, I'm going to think about it. No, it's really weird. <laughs> yeah. um, that community, I think we've absorbed sort of the best parts of it, of people sure. who are very knowledgeable and intellectual, but also okay admitting that they don't know something, which I think is a big strength and sort of a very mature thing to do. Um, and yeah, the Discord community is awesome. Um, I frequently lurk and make, you know, <laughs> shitty contributions to the conversation, but I'm there. <laughs> I'm there as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I think it's a really good place to sort of it's hard to find people especially if you're not in like New York or London yeah who are also interested in this stuff dude I live in Boston I have a better chance of like lightning hitting me on any given day than yeah. finding somebody else who would like know what Karu was yeah <laughs> yeah that's fair yeah it's it's, it's uh, very fashion devoid. There's like two stores in the city I went and I went into uh, Bodega which is like a cool yeah. like sort of streetwear store and I was looking at some things, and I was looking at a Story MFG uh, mm-hmm. sweater, and 
saleswoman, she was really nice, came over and like, mm, not like mansplained, but like womansplained sure, it, yeah. like the entire brand. She was like, oh, like, do you know who they are? And I was like, yeah, like, you know, I'm sort of aware. And she just like launched her an explanation. She finished. She was like, oh, and their owner, like whatever, whatever, whatever. And she was like showing me their Instagram. I was like, yeah, this is really cool. Like I follow the account. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that they've that's been sort of, on this podcast, right? Oh yeah, yeah. like you know, um, uh, yeah. It's yeah. just so like devoid. I, I saw a kid in a V loan hoodie buying CDG Converse with his mom. I was like, damn, like, yeah, fuck. <laughs> they got another one. Yeah. Uh, Wait, so you, you live in Boston most of the week? Right? Yeah. So I came down. Um, my best friend's older brother's having a wedding cool um so i'm down for this week and then i'll come down next week for fashion week and then i try and make it down for the podcast and just to see friends i have so many friends in new york city um i have a few friends in boston but yeah new york's the place i think it's just such a hub i think if i if i had gotten a well i'm very very lucky and thankful that i have a job in boston um and i think that i'm (laughs) saving a lot of money just because like i don't go out on any given week because there's not really any places to go out i don't eat out that much because there's not that many places to eat out i'm not really spending money because there's not really a ton of cool stores to go and spend money i was thinking (laughs) i would get so fat if i lived in new york because the food is so good it's so good i was walking around with a friend today i got breakfast i got um a smoothie i hesitate to call it a smoothie with more of a milkshake i got ice cream um, I got a big lunch. Just like, I don't know. You just walk by and everything looks so good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh god. And the other thing I noticed was like, people are really like spending money at stores. Oh fuck yeah! I I made my first like I would say like quote unquote big fashion purchase. Yeah. Of recently, I bought a belt. Um, like a leather belt. I was just like, I've had the same belt for six years. Like sure. maybe it's time to yeah, get a black yeah. belt. You know. Um, mostly because I only own one belt. And so if I leave that one with my pants in the office, yeah. which I do, um, yeah, I yeah. don't have a belt. So <laughs> I walked in and I like bought something and there was somebody else walking out with like, like bags. I was like, D- like, holy fuck. Like, no, at the pop-up, there were people that had never heard of Karu before. Yeah. Corvo's clientele, mm-hmm. you know, but that was another big reason why the pop-up was pretty successful was, you know, it's next to brands that are at a similar price sure, point. Sure, sure. Like, I feel like if we just had our own space, yeah, it almost you'd almost have to educate the customer well, walking Cobble's in. Cobble's also, like, there's a um, aesthetic to it that I think you fit in very well, too. It's, yeah. like, very nice. It's curated. It's clean. I'd say, like, a little bit sophisticated, but it's also young. Like, they had a putting green in the back of the store. Did you mm, go when that was there? No. It was, like, that entire back room was a putting green. And so they had, they like, they changed that every yeah. week, I think. But it was super yeah. cool. And, like, I think that being there definitely was great. I mean, you know, I yeah. like Karu. But for somebody who's never heard of it, I think that's probably, like, the perfect spot to be yeah, in. But what I was saying is there, was, there, was pe- there were people there who had never heard of it. Yeah. And walked out spending, like, over $1,000 at Holy the Holy fuck. Well, I mean, congrats to you. <laughs> Thank you. But it, I was like, oh, oh, shit. Like, you know, the big... So, which is... Because, you know, you... Uh, so on the first day, we actually had like, people waiting outside. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's on, huge. Which I was not... I showed up at 11 when the pop-up started. <laughs> I didn't show up before. We had set up the night before. I was like eating like breakfast, yeah. lunch, some, just in between. So like, I knew I wasn't going to be able to like leave the pop-up. So I was just eating. I was like, okay. I, was, I think I was watching football. <laughs> and I just walked in at 11 and there was just a group of people waiting outside. 
And I was like, oh shit. Like, <laughs> and they'd sort of seen a few of the pieces I teased on the Instagram. Yeah. And went in with like looking to buy it. Someone drove down from Boston to do the pop-up. That's huge. I was considering yeah. coming down, but I was like out no, of. Dude, it's, uh, it's all good. Like it's, uh, I was just like, what is happening? Because <laughs> you don't expect any of that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and I was talking to the the lady who works at Kobo, who's helping me set up. Uh, she was like, "Yeah, Fridays are gonna be pretty slow. You know, don't worry about it." And then we had like fifteen, twenty people in the pop up in like the first ten minutes, and I think yeah, we sold like seven thousand dollars in the first hour. Holy fuck! It was like, oh shit! Like we might, yeah, there's gonna be nothing left. <laughs> uh, and yeah, but. I think that shows that like New York's the place to be for all of yeah. this stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, New York like is definitely a fashion mecca, and I think that as things like TikTok and Instagram get bigger, people will like not even dress better, but just pick up more esoteric stuff, which is exciting. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I I want death to common project lows with hidden socks and uh, golden goose sneakers. I can't see. I'm just assuming. This guy He's just a... like alpha waved me. <laughs> You're getting mogged, bro. Yeah. This dude just thinks. This dude definitely works like J.P. Morgan, and yeah, just thinks he's the fucking shit. But yeah, I know like twenty of these guys. Just got his associates <laughs> bonus. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah, wild. He's trying to get on Raya. Oh yeah. fuck! <laughs> Don't say Raya, Jesus. The the whole like finance world. Like I have I have friends and friends of friends who are very into it, mm. and like rushing up against it is just so weird. It's yeah. just such a different ecosystem. I don't know if you've noticed this, but so I met a couple of friends while I was running the pop up, like for dinner, post pop up, yeah, yeah. uh, from Penn, who are now working finance jobs in the city. Yep. They become a lot more right wing when they start making six figures. <laughs> oh my god! The second the second they make six yeah. figures, they're like, oh, like fuck taxes. Yeah. Like, it's so annoying. But the other thing that's also fucking crazy is the only thing that my friends or friends of friends in finance talk about is um, where they last went out, uh-huh. the restaurants that they've eaten at slash yeah. gotten reservations at. Like it's very like American psychoe, where it's like, oh, reservation at Dorcia, seven forty five, like. And then, um, what was the fucking third thing that they talk about? Oh, uh, at least a small subsection of them just talks about watches. Yeah. And it's just so weird. Like, <laughs> but like, like vintage watches, like cool just like, stuff? No, or just like, like I want a oh, Submariner. Cool. I'm going to fucking, I don't, I don't know any of the Rolex models other than Submariner. No, I get it, yeah. It's uh, just like, or is it a Time Master? I don't fucking know. I'm yeah, going to look stupid if I keep talking. Yeah, I'm not a big watch guy, but I sort of get the idea. And there's yeah. like a, there is a, an area of watches that I want to get into. Yeah. You know, because now I'm very fortunate that with the way the brand's going, I have more money than I know what to sort of do with. And I have no expenses. Yeah. Because I live at home. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I'm going to move out because my parents live in Singapore. So I just have the house to myself. That's awesome. And i um, very fortunate that my parents are paying for college. So mm-hmm. the, uh, I have like no expenses. <laughs> I literally, I, I went, like, and in India, I, I don't shop in India because there's no stores that I really yeah. want to shop at. But, and the, I think there's no other brand that's really, yeah, whatever. I, I don't spend any money when I'm living in India. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I want to get into, like, this vintage watch thing, but then I also feel like 
if I become a watch guy, I'm just becoming such an asshole. Well, I feel like there there are I I know a few watch guys that are really nice. Um, you should talk to Nolan Daniel White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's super. He's sweet. a cool guy. Yeah. He's really yeah. nice. Um, not an asshole. Um, you know, very into watches. Um, and I think he'd be like somebody great to talk to. Are those fucking golden goose mules? That's crazy. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I think that there's like literally with any hobby, there's a way to do it in like the douchebag way, and then there's yeah. like a way to do it in like a cool and genuine way. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's me with fly fishing. There's a, a subset. If you talk to like any guide or anybody that fly fishes, there's guys who come from New York who have way too much money. They have this idea in their head of like, oh, I'm gonna tame the American West and mm-hmm. like. I'm going to be a pioneer and go and, you know, fucking fly fish and catch me a, a salmon. And then, you know, they hire a, a guide for $1,400 and they don't own any of their own gear. And, you know, they're wearing like button downs to the river. Idiots. Um, you know, there's like a way to do it in like a douchey sort of disrespectful way. Like you talk shit, you, you know, hold the fish in front of your dick and you're like, yo, it's, <laughs> it's a 14 incher. You're like, shut up. Um <laughs> but then, like, there's you going, like, like a group with them, or I, I, uh, so when I was out west, I got a guide because I, you know, you don't know the river; it's sure. just easier. And I yeah. didn't bring my waders because they're fucking huge. So I was like, all right, I can just hire a guide. Um, it was a sort of off season, in the middle of the fucking winter. Nobody's going fly fishing except me. Um, I went with my girlfriend as well, and she was freezing. But I was talking to the guide, and I was like, yeah, like, you know, what's it like going out here? I know it gets sort of busy in the summer, you know. Like, yeah, the guys who come out here kind of fucking suck. <laughs> mm. You know, they, they pay really well. They tip great. I'm not one to complain because they're giving me business. But, like, yeah. if I don't have to interact with those guys any more than I have to, I'd be happy. Um, I, You know, it extends to fashion too, right? Like, there are people who spend a ton of money on, I don't know, fucking Balenciaga or Rick Owens. And yeah, they they yeah. suck to talk to because there's not much of a personality outside of owning the brands. But then there are people who are really nice, like Michael, um, who is very into Rick Owens and Balenciaga, but is a genuinely super kind and wonderful person, right? Like, I don't know. There's a good and a bad way to do everything. Um, and I think if you're aware of that fact, you're probably not going to do it in the bad way. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. That's <laughs> yeah. a completely fair analogy. But it's just there's something about watches. Yeah. You know, because the entry point to like decent stuff is prohibitively expensive so the thing as opposed to like fashion where like you can yeah entry points a lot more accessible the thing that doesn't click for me with watches and again like i i'm not a watch guy is i have one watch um it's just a brown band like white i guess in silver face or maybe it's gold it shows like literally how little i wear this watch um it seems like from an outsider's point of view they don't look different enough Sure. Right. And so if I don't have an eye for watches and a guy is either wearing a uh, Audemars Piguet, uh, Piguet, however the fuck you say that, or yeah, a Rolex, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not going to notice the difference unless he mansplains it to me or explains it to me. Um, like, what's the difference? Like, you know, what's the point of having those two different watches? You're just showing off for the other watch guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, there are some really cool old watches like mm-hmm. that have, like, the really small square faces or, like, the cool old Cartier watches that like beautifully circular and like mm. I would notice that and I'd be like that's great but I feel like the culture of watches that I know in New York is like I'm gonna get the biggest fucking silver or gold watch I can possibly buy yeah I, I really like those uh, those Cartier like the Santos vintage ones yeah yeah I might I'll see I might have to like sell some shoes but, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'll try and get one of those 
Yeah. yeah. It's it's crazy. Like, again, I love New York just because there's such a variety of, of everything here. It's really nice. And I think the other cool thing about New York is that nobody really cares about what mm. you're doing. By the way, have you, I don't know, I'm sure you have because you've lived here, but that besides, I know like Dime Square is like a meme place. But yeah. So the guy, Jake, my friend, he was, he just sort of took me around there. He was introducing me to people. Everyone that I met was like doing something very cool. In like, Dime Square? Yeah. I don't know if like there's a generational gap where there seems to be like a... I think it's a bit of a meme just because yeah. there are so many people there. Yeah. But, but there, there were like, like I met Avery Ginsburg. Oh, cool. For the first time. And this brand's sick. I'd never actually heard of it. Yeah. But I checked it out and he came by the pop-up. Really cool guy. But the uh, the idea of like an area where almost everyone is trying to do something on their own yeah doesn't really exist anywhere else yeah exactly which I think is extremely valuable yeah I mean like, it's it's easy to make fun of and I yeah. I can completely see why because half the people are just there for the parties but it's uh, <laughs> there are some you know one in five yeah seems yeah. like really like there's something special there. Yeah, yeah yeah no there's some really cool people i think like the only other city that i've sort of experienced is like san francisco but the people doing their own thing there are like you know how can i uh create an app that better exploits the homeless population and drain their you know it's mm-hmm. just like what like we don't need a fucking app startup for yeah uber for like dog washing <laughs> yeah. i think that's actually a thing yeah it might be Another like just, just yeah. <laughs> Leo, <laughs> he freaks out if the door gets knocked on. These guys Leo. fucking think they're so cool. They're, just for the listeners, there's these, this group of guys that are just like peacocking in front of us. <laughs> What's happening here? I don't know. Leo's freaked out because they knocked on the door. I, it's just I don't know what it is, but like yeah, people knocking on doors just like sets them off. Um, and he's wearing Audi 550s. Is he? Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah. I I I only know the uh, the red and the green ones by like sight. Um, I don't know. I I Zoom I love New York green. personally. Like I I really do. It's got a nice pace to it. It feels a little bit too fast, and I think that if you were here for too long, you'd sort of freak out. But like, I want to come back here in like my yeah. late twenties. Hopefully, <laughs> I think once I think <laughs> once you're sort of making some money, I think it's a yeah. really nice place yeah. to be. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but I haven't had that mic muted the entire time. Okay, it's gonna be annoying to to edit. But um, what was I gonna ask? I had one or two more questions for you. Um, I'm blanking on my first. I'll ask this one first. We've asked it of every guest. I'm sure you know it's coming. Uh-huh. But if you had a year to eat a wooden door, hinges, and doorknob included, do you think you could do so? And if so, how? Uh, I I could. I I wouldn't. But uh, I could, and I've, I'm sort of cheating here because I've heard the podcast before. I've heard the correct answer. The correct answer. There is no correct answer. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like the the only seemingly logical. <laughs> Where like, actually, you know what? I'm gonna question this. Like the the for like any new listeners, I guess, who haven't heard the podcast before, and have weirdly sat through my annoying voice for like <laughs> an hour and a half. But the. Uh, most people say, like, grind down the wood or, like, burn it yeah. and put it in smoothies and then pellets for the metal hinges and whatever, right? You're not taking those metal hinges down. 
I absolutely I think yeah. you could. No way. Are you serious? You're just swallowing metal? Yeah. Like how small? Just you know, like a BB. I don't know. I I was like I was like one of those kids that just really struggled with like swallowing tablets. <laughs> I was I was one of the kids who accidentally ate coins all the time. Because oh, I, I weirdly I liked the way that pennies tasted, like the weird coppery taste. So I would put I've this is this is when I was really young. This is when I was like two or three. I, I can um, imagine you weren't like fourteen. <laughs> so I'm fifteen <laughs> eating <laughs> coins. No, but I was like two or three, and I would like eat pennies by accident because like I would just have them in my mouth and then accidentally swallow, and I eat like two pennies a day. That's and my wild. mom was like, you're, you're not like, we're not giving you access to spare change. It happened for like a week and a half where <laughs> like I'd be in the car and there'd be like some money in the cup holder. Yeah. And my mom would turn around or like go into the grocery store for 10 minutes and I'd, you know, stick my hand in the thing, come up with like a quarter and just eat it. Um, which I guess didn't taste like copper. I don't know why I'm self-owning myself right now. But yeah. And then my mom was like, all right, our kid has been fucking eating coins. We're not sending the doctor. Um Cut that shit out. But Wait, for, so how do you you not you just pooped it out? Yeah, you just yeah. poop it out. Yeah, and you know it doesn't hurt. I must have been older than three. Must have been like four. But um, I can't imagine that it doesn't hurt. You can no, it's not that. I like well in my recollection, this is you know eighteen years yeah. ago or whatever. But um, could you do it now? I I'm fairly certain I could eat two pennies a day for a month. That's insane. How much would that weigh? Like, how much... Hold on. No, but it's more like the psychological thing of getting it down rather than, like, the the physics of it going down. I put much more disgusting things than fucking metal in my mouth on a given day. <laughs> like, what? I don't, like, I don't know. Like, um... I'm sure your toothbrush is fucking disgusting. I stick that in my mouth every day. Yeah, but you're not swallowing it. That's fair. All right, I mean, like, I don't I, know. I just couldn't get over this psychological aspect. That's fair. All right. Yeah. But yes, like if I were to do it, that's how I would do it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, fuck Leo. <laughs> Leo's on one. Dude, yeah. he's ripping ass habitually. I got this dog fucking. No, my dog's pretty. Yeah, my dog's always farting, and it's <laughs> it's really bad. Like these actually don't smell like that bad. Like these. Oh my God, the worst. The worst is he sleeps under the covers with me, and so he'll like fart two or three times, but I won't go under the covers, and then yeah. I'll like flip over like twenty minutes later, and it's been like, you know, boiling up for lack of a better term. It's horrendous. That shit makes me reconsider having a dog at like three in the morning. It's so bad does, enough. Does Leo like, travel me. with you to Boston? And he yeah, he comes it? with me every. He's my dog. Oh, your dog. Okay, mm. cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite a commitment, man. Like, I, I don't have a dog. My family has a dog, mm. and but yeah, the dog's not with me in Philly, so that's uh, that's commendable. No, I I had him in school. He was very easy to deal with. Um, so what would you do when so he was just chilling? He's then? a service dog, so I can take him to okay. class. Um, okay, cool. but then as a puppy, he I was obviously training, and he was getting training. Um. I was training him just like behaviorally and then he was getting his service dog training. Um, so, you know, leave him in the morning, come back in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were some times where like on a weekend I'd leave him for like two or three hours and he'd just like eat my shoes, um, which happened quite often. I think he got to a pair of, he got to a pair of Jordans. He destroyed some rude Pumas, which I actually really fucking love those shoes. I know we shat on like rude. rude the, uh, yeah, R-H-U-D-E. R-H-U-D-E. Okay. They, they made these um, 
these sneakers. Uh, well, I remember them. those. Yeah, yeah. Hold on, wait. I definitely resold a pair of those. Where the fuck are they? They were great sneakers though. I wore them like every day. Is I that just... the one with like the gel on the? This one. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I remember those. Yeah. They're fifty bucks. If you want a really good fucking pair of sneakers, Pumax Rude Palace Guard sneakers. Those I are think good shoes. I think there were like a there was a pair of Rude Vans that I remember like standing in line for. Really. To to flip. This was like freshman year of college. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I I made like ten bucks. I don't know what I was thinking. Like I wasted so much time just standing in line thinking I'm making money. It's weird. Yeah. I feel like that line culture has really died. That's true. They've Actually, pushed... no. I went to. Uh, yeah, no. I think raffles just sort of killed it. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like I mean they shifted most sneaker releases online. Um, yeah. Supreme isn't really like what it used to be. Uh, nobody's fucking lining up for ALD unless there's like a you know store capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It was kind of like a fun time though. There's a whole culture of like waiting in the Supreme line. I did it one time and I was like, this is enough for me. Mm. There's this, uh, so in India, it's sort of, sneakers is still like a new concept in India. Yeah. Right. By new, I mean, when like 2016, when I was into like maybe there was like seven of us in the whole country <laughs> on like a WhatsApp group, right? Sure. Like it was nothing. And now it's really sort of exploded to the point where there's, there's a brand that uh, just set up like a resale shop. This dude, cannot be making more than like a thousand dollars a day right but has raised money at a valuation of like i think this is speculation i'm not naming any names or whatever but eight figures holy fuck because people just think that sneakers is this like cool thing that asia is the new market for yeah yeah yeah. but there's like a very real cap on like when uh the amount of people that can first off afford to pay that much for sneakers yeah and then be uh, by the time you hit the sort of inflection point, you know, how many of the original people still think it's cool? I'm going to start a streetwear store in India and just get a nine-figure valuation. You'd, you would, when you started, you'd get it at a seven-figure valuation. Huge. I'm not kidding. Like, I, that's not a joke. I know people that have, in one year, like, actually made all close to seven figures. Holy fuck. And they started a year ago. That's crazy. Yeah. Damn, VC firms will invest in anything. Anything that says blockchain or like emerging market. Because you just say, oh, we're going to explore technology. And basically what's happening People is love speculation. All these people... So my hypothesis is why sneaker and, sneakers and streetwear were blown up in India and from like a VC perspective. Is yeah. Just because you have all these like 40-year-old VCs who are like maybe an ex-BCG guy who yeah. got like two kids in high school now. <laughs> Right, and the kids think it's really cool. Yeah, and this guy's just taking punts, right? Like his idea is, I'm gonna take a hundred punts, and then one of them will work. Yeah, or that's maybe too much. Maybe twenty, one will work, and yeah. that's good enough for me. Yeah. So he's just giving money, and it's not they're not raising a lot of money. It's just at a crazy valuation. Yeah. Uh, it's nuts. Yeah, I don't know how it's happening. That's insane. I've forgotten my last question, but before we head out, we have two things to do. First, the song of the week. Um, this is on a playlist called Pair of Kings, colon, Pair of Kings. All the I's are replaced with sevens. Kartik, do you have a song for, I'm not going to say the title as it's written, Pair of Kings, colon, Pair of Kings? Uh, yeah, so uh, I've been listening to, uh, I'm a big like Strokes, Interpol guy. Sure. Those are my favorite bands. And it's like the 20th year anniversary of uh, Interpol's debut album. So I've been going through that. 
pretty heavily. So let's go with uh, with PDA from by Interpol. It's a uh, it's a good song if you haven't checked it out. I've also been reading this book called uh, Meet Me in the Bathroom. Okay. It's like a Because on Twitter, somebody posted a video of a kid in a fucking Starbucks uniform at a Charlie XCX concert on somebody's shoulders, like dancing to the song. Like, oh, he cut out of work early at Starbucks to go listen to Charlie XCX. Yeah, what do you think of all the people that like suddenly gotten really into house Um, I, I'm always so always happy to see it. Um, I really like house music. I really like dancing to house music. If those people who are getting into house music are also dancing to house music, I'm fine with it. If they're fucking standing around with a drink as if it's fucking Mr. Purple, I don't want, you know, I just don't want them anywhere near where I'm going. Um, just cause, I don't know, like, house music's a great time. You go, you dance, you have fun. Um, I think it's, it's almost a little bit more community based. You have, you know, your, your local DJs and your local sets. Um, you know, there's very distinct flavors of house So, I don't know, if you're going to a house show, go have fun, don't, you know, just go and dance, or, you know, go and at least nod your head, or fucking fist pump at the very least, just, you know, go have fun. It's got, when something suddenly becomes really big, and yeah. you can sort of see that it will sort of die out eventually, yeah. and the core people will still stay there, but it's like... Like when the World Cup's gonna come around in another few months, <laughs> suddenly everyone's a soccer fan, you know. Yeah. And if you're there originally, I'm not a house music fan, but I'm saying I'm a big soccer fan. And when everyone comes around, I'm like, ah, and has their opinions on the World Cup. But I it's don't know. in my in my eyes, you get really good stuff for that period. Yeah. Right, because so yeah. many people are getting into it. They're gonna be new artists trying new things. The current artists are gonna probably release albums to sort of capitalize on the trend. Um, <laughs> like uh, the Drake one, honestly. Oh, <laughs> I mean, like honestly, the the fucking calling my name. I you still bumping unabashedly. That? I don't know if I have it saved. Um, my girlfriend says I still laugh every time I say this. She says that Drake makes her nauseous because <laughs> it reminds her of like a guy that would come up to you in the club and like be a little bit too drunk and like breathe heavily on you, like trying like quote unquote whisper in your ear, but just sort of yelling at you. Yeah. Um, which, which is a perfect <laughs> description of like modern Drake. Um, 
But this song, like, I'm a bit embarrassed to admit it, but like, I moved into Boston for like a month. I would just walk around and just like, just like out loud, too, just annoying my fucking voice. But like, is the entire album good? No. Is this song really catchy? Yes. You know, is whoever produced it, like, very talented in terms of house music? Like, this, this beat's great. I'd dance to this. If this came on, I'd have a great time. Um, yeah, like, again, I'm never going to be upset that, like, people are getting into what I'm getting into. I get very upset when those people either, A, like, judge people mm. and prevent others from having a good time um, by being either judgmental or just shitty in general. Or, two, like, try and dictate what's happening with having, like, no knowledge of what's going on. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I'm trying to be less of a hater in general. I, I it's hard been drinking drinking the hater aid too much recently. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm definitely like guilty of that. Yeah. 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 Um, before we leave, floor is yours. Take you know next minute, two, three, whatever. Um, tell people where to find you. Um, what you do, anything, shoutouts, whatever you want to do. Floor is yours. Uh yeah, it's uh. Karu Research, K-A-R-U Research. I don't have like personal social media, so just follow that on Instagram. Check it out on Essence. Our fall winter collection's coming out in, I want to say two weeks, but you never really know. <laughs> so so yeah. wait, clarify, two weeks from recording or two weeks uh, from two release? Two weeks from today. So maybe, uh, honestly, some stores might have it out by the time cool. this podcast comes out. So just stay tuned to the Instagram <laughs> and we'll see. Yeah. Go go show love. It's it's a really cool brand. I'm a big fan of what they do. Um, I've got one thing that I was gifted, one thing that I bought, and I'm very very happy with both. Um, my girlfriend actually loves the quilt jacket. She tries to steal it from me quite <laughs> often. Um, I think she's actually worn it more than I have, just because she got it for like two months um, and ended up wearing it a bunch because it always gets compliments. That's, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much to everybody for joining in. Um, or tuning in, excuse me. Um, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Pair of Kings Pod. You can contact us with business inquiries at Pair of Kings Pod at gmail.com. As always, I'm Saul Thompson. You can find me on Instagram at Saul Thompson. I'm joined this week by our wonderful guest, Karthik Kumra. You can find me at Karu Research. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you so much to everybody for joining. This has been the Pair of Kings Podcast, where once a week, every week for the foreseeable future, we are bringing you business as usual, tomfoolery as planned. We will see you next week with a great um, boys episode. Um, it's me, John, and Michael, so get excited. Um, and we hope you enjoy this one. All right. Bye, everyone. Take care. <laughs>